Welcome to Britt David Podcast. As Pastor Tim brings us a message today entitled Church Members from 3 John, verse 1 through 14. A church is not brick and mortar. It is not the pulpit, the platform, or the pews. It is the people who make the church their home, the individuals within the church family. Church members give their church the reputation it has within the community. So, a few bad apples can certainly spoil the whole barrel. If the church allows someone like Diotrephes to lead, the church may suffer the Ichabod designation from God. This is the kind of church member we want to avoid becoming. Here's Pastor Tim. Thank you, Kathy. Well, if you were in 2 John this morning, I invite you to turn just maybe a page over and you'll find 3 John. So John the Apostle writes not only the gospel that's named after him and the book of Revelation, he also writes these three epistles. Most of them are small. We would categorize even the first epistle as a small epistle, but certainly 2 John and 3 John are both very small, one 13 verses, the other 14 verses in total. But boy, they are filled with such good principles for the church. Now, especially if you begin to read uh, 2 John like we did this morning and see that, you know, or, or you know, if you're in the same boat that I am, that, uh, that the elect lady and her children is the church, a local church and its members then it's easy to be able to see how these things fit into the life of any kind of New Testament church. Sometimes we use that word and we'll say things like, I want you to come to church. I want to invite you to church. Let's go to church on Sunday. And we say it as if this place is the church as if the church building and the church are the same thing. Church itself is not made of brick and mortar. It's not made of wood or iron or any of those things. The church is its people. The New Testament word for church, ecclesia, simply means the called out ones. Ones. In other words, we're talking about people. Your church is your People. That's why we say, we refer to it as our church family. This is our family of members together. And so when we talk about going to church, well, it's wherever you are, you know. If you're in here, <laughs> then the church is gathered in here. If we're in Habersham, the church is in Habersham. Wherever you are, that's the way that it works. And if you think about that in terms of a family, as we looked at some this morning, then it's easy to be able to see no matter where you go, no matter what building that you're in or even what city or state, you're still that family, right? You're still our church, no matter where you go, no matter what you do. When we come to 3 John... John this time is more interested in individuals in that church rather than the church simply as a group of people as a whole, as simply the church family. We would say this time that he's talking about church members. 
if you can think back in your own Christian walk, in your own church life, you probably recall some people who served as good examples for you of church, of what a church member ought to be. Surely you have some people who are heroes in your faith. Not necessarily pastors, not necessarily Sunday school teachers. Sometimes just men and women who are a part of that church whom you have learned to look up to. Do you have somebody like that? I hope that you do. I hope that you have somebody like that not only in the church that you grew up in. I hope that you have somebody like that in this church. People that you look up to. People that you would want to mimic. Somebody that you would want to imitate. In fact, it's that idea that John has in mind when he writes this third letter. Look, if you will, down to verse number 11. We're going to use this verse primarily as our hinge verse for tonight. He says, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Now this morning, if you were in Sunday school and you were studying through Jeremiah, you noticed in that passage that Jeremiah refers to the coming of Messiah when he says, the righteous branch of David will come. You remember that? So when we were in Isaiah, we talked about how Messiah is the branch or the rod out of Jesse, out of David, that he is a descendant of that family line. But the Bible also says that he is the root of Jesse, that he is before Jesse, that he's not just before him in chronological order, he is before him in rank. We're talking about the eternal God. We're talking about the Messiah, the Son of God, God the Son, always, always in existence. Well, We know that he is the branch of David, but this morning Jeremiah added the word righteous. Righteous simply means right. It means doing right. It means being right. For what reason? Just because it's right. Just because that's who God is. It falls right in line with the holiness of God. Because God is holy... He is righteous. You know, because He is pure, because He is sinless, because everything in Him is right, then everything that He does is right, is righteous. Well, the Bible says to be holy, I'm supposed to be holy because He is holy, right? Well, guess what else? I'm to be righteous because He is righteous. I'm to do the right thing simply because He does the right thing. I'm to do the right thing simply because it's right and I am a reflection of Him. So I want to make sure that everything that I do is good. Everything that I do then is the right thing to do. By the way, it's never really a wrong time to do the right thing. Even if you're on the wrong track, even if you are involved in something that you ought not be involved in, 
There never comes a time when it's wrong to say, I stop what I'm doing that's wrong, and I turn myself to do what's right. Your righteous standing before God can always, always be restored. And so what he says is this. In church, you have plenty of examples. Hopefully you've got some good, righteous examples An example of a Christian who really lives out and really walks in their faith. I know you've got to have somebody like that. But I bet you there's some other folks (laughs) that you can look at through the years. Sadly, you might even find some here that you look at and you say, You know what? That's the sorriest church member I've ever seen. I don't know why they let him preach. (laughs) that is not the kind of person that I want to be I don't don't want to be like that and so what does John say? he says don't imitate that person don't mimic the church member who is not doing the things that are good who's not acting in righteousness who is not standing in holiness whose position is that of a backslidden believer don't mimic that person and try to imitate them Just because you think that everything's okay, they've got the best of both worlds. They've got everything that God offers them, and now they've got everything that the world offers them. No, they don't. They don't. If that's what you believe, then the devil has you fooled. John warns us, beloved. He's not writing this to to be a killjoy on your fun. He writes this, why? Because He loves you. Beloved. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but imitate what is good. In this book, He calls names. I threatened you this morning I was going to call names. I just didn't say that there were names in our church. There are names in here. So John takes some names of people in this particular church to whom he's writing, and he says, this is the kind of person that you need to avoid. And then he says, this is the kind of person that you need to emulate. All right? So let's take them like he takes them. Let's begin in verse number 9. There you're going to see that basically what he's saying is, don't be like Diotrephes. Don't be like Diotrephes. Why? Look at what he writes in verse number 9. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, pratting against us with malicious words. And not content with that, He himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil. That's who he's talking about. He's talking about a real, literal person in that church that he's written to. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is just what I think at this point. I think Diotrephes is a part of the church that he wrote to in 2 John. I think he is one of those children of the elect lady. 
Did you notice something this morning? I want to turn my page back. You want to turn your page back? I want to point something out to you that I, I meant to point to you this morning. I just didn't. <clears throat> in verse number 4 in Second John, he says, I rejoice greatly that I have found, what's that say? Some. I have found some of your children walking in truth. He's not able to say, I have found all of your children to be walking in truth. I found some of them. Why would he say some and not all? It's my opinion that he's talking about people just like Diotrephes. As he writes this, he writes to the church and says, this is a person that you are not to imitate. This is a person that you are not to try and mimic. Why? Diotrephes has two primary problems in his life. Number one, he was filled with pride. He was filled with pride. He says there in verse number 9, I wrote to you, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them. Who is the them? The them is the church, right? He wants to have the preeminence. What does that mean? It means first place. In Colossians chapter 1, the Bible says that that place is reserved for Jesus. It says that in all things, He may have the preeminence. That in all things that Jesus might have first place. Now when I used to look at that verse, I used to think that what he's trying to say is that you prioritize your life, you know? So you're supposed to put Jesus first. You know, you're supposed to put your family second. You're supposed to put the church third. You're supposed to put your job fourth. You're supposed to put recreation fifth and just kind of prioritize all of these things in your life. So you're making sure that you keep Jesus up there at number one. What I've discovered along the way is that life doesn't work that way, does it? My life is not neatly categorized into those different areas. Every one of them overlap the other like some big Venn diagram. Right? So what is he saying? That in all things, he should have the preeminence. Not just above all things he should have the preeminence, but in all things he should have the preeminence. What does that mean? It means that at church, Jesus is number one. It means that in my family, Jesus is number one. It means in my job, Jesus is number one. It means when I'm playing in recreation, whatever it is, Jesus remains number one in all of those things. Now what he's saying about Diotrephes is, Diotrephes is not interested in Christ having the preeminence in all things, and especially when it comes to church. Diotrephes himself, wants the preeminence. He wants first place. He wants to be recognized. He wants to call the shots. He wants to be in control. When it comes to making decisions, Diotrephes says, you should listen to me. You can take this for what it's worth. But in my experience, if Diotrephes is married then this passage tells me that Diotrephes does not wear the pants at home. <laughs> that may not be kind, but that's the truth. You find a man who is weak at home, and you'll find a man who tries to show off in other places. That's Diotrephes. 
He's trying to be the big man on campus when it comes to church. He's filled with pride. He has a greater estimation of himself than he ought to. And the Bible says explicitly that we're not to think of ourselves greater than we really should. There needs to be humility, doesn't there? Jesus was humble. If Jesus can be humble, we can be humble. Beware of the church member who tries to call the shots, who seems that he wants to have the preeminence, the church member who is filled with pride. I said he had two problems. One is that he was filled with pride. Secondly, he is fueled by power. He is fueled by power. Now, he mentions it very briefly in verse number 9. At the end of that, he simply says that he does not receive us. Who is the us? Well, the us specifically is John the Apostle. I think he's probably talking about other apostles as well. At the very least, he's talking about the Apostle John along with others from his church. When they come to visit... Diotrephes does not want to receive them. Don't come in. You know, when it comes to Habersham, one of the churches that we will visit while we're there, on a typical Sunday, has about five people that are in it. Can you imagine what next Sunday is going to be like when 30 strangers walk in? It's overwhelming, isn't it? It's overwhelming for a church. And it is certainly overwhelming for the man who is filled with pride and fueled by power because he sees it about to dissipate. He sees that he's about to be found out. He may be able to fool five people, but can he fool 50 people? Diotrephes is trying to hold on to his position And so in verse number 10, he begins the verse with therefore. Because he wants the preeminence, because he will not receive others outside of his circle of influence, John says, if I come. (laughs) I like that. He doesn't say when I come. He ain't so sure maybe that he wants to go to a place like that. You know? If I come then I will call to mind His deeds, His unrighteous deeds that you in this church and they in that church are not supposed to emulate, that's not supposed to mimic or try to imitate. I will call to mind His deeds which He does, and then He gives us three of them. Here they are. Number one, He spoke against others. He talked bad about other people. He says, prating against us with malicious words. I'll put Kimberly on the spot for a minute. When we were really little, we'd had a meal, and I don't know if it was her favorite or not, but she pushed herself away from the table and said, Mama, that was malicious. (laughs) This is not on accident. John isn't using the word out of context. 
when he says that Diotrephes speaks against people with malicious words, he means it. Maliciousness means evil. It means evil intent. It means trying to be a bad person, trying to tear other people down. Maybe John the Apostle would be the, would be the one that would come to that church and Diotrephes would say, I've heard about John. I've heard about John. Have you read about him? He always calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loves. What kind of person calls himself that? When, when they were all at the Lord's at that last supper, John, John's right there, the Bible says, snuggling up to Jesus. He's always trying to buddy into something else. Diotrephes will take anything that's true and turn it into something that is harmful, that he might discredit anybody whose position or whose authority might be greater than his. Beware of the church member who talks about others in a way that tears them down, that others might think less of them. Number one, he spoke against others. Number two, he shunned others. Look at that. He says, not content with that. Not content with simply talking about somebody. He himself does not receive the brethren. You know, he made mention, he doesn't receive us. In other words, he doesn't allow the church then to receive us. But now it's personal. He himself does not receive us. He pushes us away. John had apostolic authority. And Diotrephes is not willing to listen. John wrote five books in your New Testament. No one else other than the Apostle Paul wrote as many. Diotrephes doesn't want to listen to him. Doesn't want anybody else to listen to him too. He does not receive the brethren. He shuns them. And then number three, he shunned some, he sidelined others. It says at the end of verse number 10, and he forbids those who wish to, who wish to what? Who wish to receive him. You know? Let me me show, show you how this works. So John the Apostle is coming to town. John the Apostle has now asked the pastor if he can come and he can address this church. Can you imagine a real, genuine Apostle coming to the church to speak about things that he himself heard from the Lord Jesus? The things that he experienced and that he saw Jesus do. Man, you would think that they would fill that church up that day. That everybody would want to be there to hear that. But not diatrophies. So he begins a verbal campaign against John the Apostle. John the Apostle's not, he's not the real deal. John the Apostle, I wouldn't be surprised if John the Apostle got arrested and they sent him out to the Isle of Patmos. <laughs> you know? John the Apostle. 
is old. He calls himself the elder. We don't need to listen to him. Starts out with a verbal campaign against him. And then it says that he would not receive him. That he would shun him. You know what? Diotrephes, probably the head deacon in the church, you know? Diotrephes, why don't... Why don't you take Diotrephes? I mean, why don't Diotrephes? Why don't you take John the Apostle and his friends? And after church, after he's talked to us, why don't you take him home? Take him home and feed him. I'm not taking him home. I'm not taking him to my house. John the Apostle goes everywhere talking to all these different churches and you know that they give him money every time that he goes. Why, he ought to be taking me out to lunch, not me taking him home for lunch. I'm not doing that. This other little squirrely deacon down here who's brand new and just doesn't know any better raises his hand and says, I'll take, I'll take John and his friends home and feed them lunch. Diotrephes would turn on him as quickly as he can and with such venomous words be able to put that man not only off their deacon board, but also would shun him out of the church itself so that he is silenced and that he is sidelined. He would, here's a good word, he forbids those who wish to do the right thing. And in Diotrephes' mind, they have no place in his church. So he simply puts them out. Don't be like Diotrephes. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim continues his message from 3 John, verses 1 through 14. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.